Hey, everybody. Great episode of the morning show today. We talk about the Ethereum futures ETF that was recently approved. We talk about some of the action that we're seeing in the Solana space. We talk about people leaving Blur to farm tokens on FriendTech and whether we are at an NFT bottom. We also talk about corporations Web3 adoption. So overall, it's a great show. It's done in partnership with Restless. Restless has already partnered with uh, big time artists like Claire Silver and Gremlin. Their Mayor Bears public mint is live right now. If you go to marebears.restless.xyz. You can check it out. Hope you enjoy the show. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Happy Friday, September 29th. Got a lot to talk about today. Uh, It's going to be a gang of us in studio. We got a man that is remote today. He's reporting live from the birthplace of NFTs. This is literally where NFTs were invented. It's where they were born. Uh, We got a man on the streets over there. Hey, what's going on down in South Carolina? Oh, thanks for calling to the call. You know, this has just been a phenomenal time in Charleston, South Carolina. I was really having a great time exploring the landscape of non-fungible talking technology here. Well, thank you so much for, for you know, letting us know exactly what's going on on the streets of South Carolina. We saw your report from uh, at first it seemed like a hotel. Then there was a music integrated NFT program that was happening in the streets. It was incredible to actually see Charleston being at the forefront of music NFTs. I don't think anybody knew that. And, and seeing that techn- technological in, like integration on the street was really cool. Anything else that you're seeing down there, sir? No, so it's very exciting here in Charleston, South Carolina. Just great things happening. <laughs> well, thank I just, it's just <laughs> <laughs> I like it's just so great here in Charleston. I mean, I'm just, it's so exciting. <laughs> I love how the second time you just you're not even like playing ball with the question. You're just saying it's great to be in Charleston, South Carolina, in a borderline non-understandable way. Does the character have a name? No, unfortunately not. Uh, but I mean, I feel like I should add one cause we were walking around last night and I was like, can I do a video now in a normal, like in a normal voice? Like, what, what does that look like? I, I don't know. But, uh, no, the character does not have a name, but there is, uh, there are additional investigations underway at this moment here in Charleston. So I, I will be posting about those, uh, later today. Well, we're really excited to see him. If I could put in a vote for the name, um, the, my vote would be like, you know, one of those really old, like American names that you don't hear anymore. Like uh, an example would be like Bartholomew, but like that's not uh, even Cornelius Cornelius Winterbottom yeah. the 7th. You, you, get, you can go hard if you really think about that. I'm sure you'd come up with something good. Has the trip been good so far, man? When is the actual Beeple party? Tomorrow. Nice. Um, and uh, today, uh, I w- well, I want to go around Charleston and check it out and maybe go on a tour or something like that. It's supposed to be pretty warm, but uh, yeah, that's tomorrow. I don't, I've never been down to Charleston. Uh, I thought it was Friday, uh, yes, last night for some reason, and then realized this morning that it was not, and I had made a tragic error, but here I am live on the show. Wait, wait, what was the error? I thought it was Friday, and I stayed up very late last night thinking, like, oh, it's Friday. Sleeping in, 
uh, going to have a good time. Is that I'm just exploring the area on my thought. Uh, it will Friday, so I'll go out and have some drinks. So you just totally just just out to lunch on what day of the week it is. Very interesting. Didn't see that coming from Nifty Nick. Uh, w- one last thing, Nick. Have you had barbecue yet? Uh, no. We went we went to a steakhouse and it was quite uh, overpriced. Um, and I wouldn't recommend it. Uh, so we won't be going back there. We'll try some barbecue though. Very nice. Yeah. Fun fact. One time I was in a steakhouse in Austin uh, for a bachelor party. It's a place called Lonesome Dove. Very well-known steakhouse. Uh, pretty, pretty elite place. Uh, they weren't satisfied with the, uh, with the, uh, I guess, conduct of the bachelor party, even though quite frankly, we weren't really being very rude or I guess we, our volume was slightly too loud and they refused to serve us dessert. They brought the check without us asking for it after the the entrees, and we said, "Oh, we were hoping to get dessert." And they literally said, "There's great places to get dessert down the street." Uh, well, that's pretty ridiculous. Um, we didn't have any dessert last night uh, because, uh, well, the uh, my girlfriend had ordered a huge steak, basically that was uh, about double the size of her head. And uh, I was like, what the hell happened here? And now we have it sitting in a fridge, but wh- I can't do it. Wh- what am I going to do? Uh, it's not like I have something to heat it up with here. So Microwave I, steak I sounds beautiful, dude. Like that sounds like, oh man, how tasty. It's a nice extra well done microwave steak second day. Nothing nothing beats it. Maybe, maybe I can bring it down to the restaurant and have prepare it for us. Very nice. Uh, well, look, uh, we got a lot to talk about today. We got Valkyrie's Ethereum Futures ETF was approved yesterday. Uh, this is the uh, technically the so wait, what, what's the deal with this? So there's a futures ETF. This is not yeah. it, it's not a spot ETF. So no, so it's a volatility futures ETF, which is similar to what the Bitcoin ones are that are actually present today. So yeah. this one is not uh, tied to the spot price action. It's based largely around the volatility aspects of the underlying token. So it's much like the VIX and some of those other components. And it's futures-based pricing. So a lot of times it depends on like open interest orders, put and call options. It does give some level of exposure to the underlying asset. But the bigger thing here is that it, it's more just that it's showing some signs of adoption. This has been my kind of thought process is that we would get the Bitcoin futures ETF, which was approved some time ago, and then followed by that Ethereum futures ETFs, and then Spot would roll in, uh, trickling down to ultimately like a, an altcoin ETF, which is a more active basket, similar to like the majors that we have right now in traditional finance. So I'm very eager to see like what actually happens from it. Awesome. And Nick, you, you're just like breathing into the phone. Uh, oh, so sorry. I'm, I was going yeah. to say there's no reason uh, to ever trade. Look, people want to hear my breath, dude. So like calm down. That's like a key part of this show. Um, first of all, second, uh, the trading an asset like this just seems like a purely idiotic idea. Why would anyone participate in trading this easy? Like it it gives traditional retail, like the ones who don't have approval for crypto books to still trade the asset. So if they believe that there's some catalyst, like they can trade the Bitcoin uh, volatility ETF in anticipation of Bitcoin spot news going live versus some traditional finance books who can't just buy spot Bitcoin with those funds. So it does give an opportunity for TradFi to get some level of exposure without needing to get the underlying exposure from the crypto token itself. So it just opens up more opportunities there. I don't under, th- that 
whole argument makes no sense to me because it's like, that's like saying, well, I wanted to invest in Apple, but instead I went and bought some, like, it was so difficult for me to get exposure to this asset class. So I went and bought something completely unrelated. I I guess that's the thing. I I don't (laughs) understand like where, where the motivation for that is like, is money that desperate to get exposure to Bitcoin? And they're like, Oh, we just can't figure it out, guys. Well, you know? It's not a figured uh, out. It's a it's a licensing and like regulation standpoint because like technically there's still uncertainty on if it's going to be deemed a security or not. Like we have seen that Bitcoin has been called not a security multiple times now, even by Gensler. So that's where I think the spot one that opens up which will trade fixed price based on I want to say it's Coinbase's Oracle is what they're going to be using for those. I think that's the one that we've seen basically every ETF partner with. So this is more just now like once that gets approved, people may want exposure to ETH in anticipation that it does scale quicker, have more opportunity and a better R&R, which to me is like where you could see this. But that's that's where I'm like, I agree. I think that many times you're going to see like retail just figure out how to buy the token versus buy these. I, I think this is for I actually like don't think this bank. is even for retail. This is more for institutional because yeah. I mean, plenty, plenty of hedge funds trade uh, the volatility of an un- of like equities, for example, and so here you have greater volatility on the underlying asset, which means you can potentially have greater returns. So, from an institutional perspective, this makes complete sense that you are trading the volatility of an underlying asset. But I don't think this is like a re- like like a retail play. Like if you're like a you know retailer and wanted exposure to Bitcoin, I wouldn't start saying you want to go into a fund which has i mean like you could invest in a fund but you'd probably want to uh invest in the actual underlying asset but it makes sense for an institution to want to trade something like this yeah it's it's for sure for institutions uh i also saw raul paul former guest of this show uh from real vision dropping some shorts uh i'm not sure if it was on youtube or if it was on instagram where basically he's just really big on coinbase right now saying Coinbase, uh, there's a greater than 50% chance. These are not his words, but I'm kind of interpolating them. Uh, The way he was kind of talking about it, there's a chance, like a decent chance it'll do a 10x and pointing out that, you know, you can buy options on Coinbase because it's a a security. And so if you want to take that approach, it's an interesting approach. If you have that appetite for risk, that's not really what I do, but I own a bunch of Coinbase stocks. But I agree with him on that too, because if these do go through in which you're going to see the Oracle being used for all these spots Bitcoin ETFs, which just got delayed yesterday, but they're all referencing Coinbase's actual price point for it. There's levels of interest and overlap from like traditional equities where if they're using the spot price, where are they actually being able to kind of aggregate that value? I think it'll come from Coinbase. So it's like they'll have to, which is a revenue generating opportunity for Coinbase on inflows and outflows because of trading fees. So there's just a lot of really interesting things here that I think are going to open up that possibility. And it also comes down to like crypto adoption. Like we just saw Coinbase get approved for perps internationally. So I think that their business in general is going to continue to scale as they start to fight a little bit more against like Binance as like a potential leader, even in the international markets. Nick? Well, I like the idea of buying the stock. I don't know that Coinbase being an Oracle is a major source of their revenue. The the big trade that here is that at some point crypto uh, comes back and Coinbase is going to go up as a result of that. I own a decent amount of Coinbase, but I do like the idea that he's saying, I, I'm assuming he's saying by uh, leap uh, options, essentially, uh, like ones that are out years from now. Yeah. Um, at a, at, and I kind of like that. It actually makes me, you could, uh, 
you know, m- make a small bet and ha- uh, have a major upset. I'm not sure about uh, 10x price, although I haven't looked at Coinbase stock in a long time. But I do like that as a trade. That's a really interesting one. It's only um, at, it's at seventy five dollars right now, which is actually what's, what's the low? The low I want to say. Well, the low of the past year um, was thirty. Wow, thirty two bucks during the FTX debacle. Yeah, I think I bought some there because uh, I was just like, "This is crazy," um, and. I guess it's still, but the the peak was pretty high there. The peak was um, uh, just a couple months ago, a hundred plus bucks. Oh wow! Okay, literally. Okay, well, I should have been paying attention to that one. Um, but, but yeah, I, I guess I can see this. Ten X is an interesting trade. I'd have to look at the financials associated with Coinbase to figure out if uh, I think that that um, makes sense. Like Solana going up ten cents. Or 10x makes sense to me. And also, uh, unrelated, did you see, Easy? I don't know about uh, what the story is here, but the latest version of Solana apparently is, like, even faster. Like 1.6. Yeah. It's finality in under two seconds or something like that. It's stupid. Like, if if you send something from your Phantom Wallet right now, it's the... When I did it, I was like, I didn't even get the notification that it was sent. I just tried to check my activity. It's impressive what they've done from the infrastructure layer. And that uptime, baby, that's sweet, sweet uptime. It's over 100% year-to-date, baby. Over 100%. That's interesting. Yep, Uh, over 100%. Exactly. So, like, you could be sleeping. It's still up. You go to bed later, that thing's still up. Well, it's not even sleeping. You're just, you could be in another dimension, and it's still up. Am I right, Nick? You see the the Zuckerberg, Lex Friedman thing? That metaverse thing? Solana was still up. Okay, so, so uh, that that thing is pretty crazy. But uh, the thing I was going to say, it actually seems like they just basically went and replicated Apple's thing to uh, so that they didn't look like they were falling behind. But uh, quick, quick, uh, or more specific to the situation with Solana, I just feel like there's a lot of development action there, and I look toward what's going on with a lot of people talking about scaling and moving to layer three and all these other uh, different things. Solana just has like a ton of development activity going on there. And so I don't know, it's hard not to be like incredibly bullish on uh, their side of things and they don't need to go build additional like layers. You don't need all this like additional complexity. Um, There are, I will say there are upsides to some of the EVM compatible uh, blockchains and from a development standpoint, it's compelling, but yeah, I don't know, man. I like, it's hard not to be crazy bullish on uh, Solana. So, and that to me feels like the easiest path to 10 X in this market is, is specifically there. Yeah, I agree. I mean, a 10 X for Solana is just basically getting back to what was considered a normal price for months. I mean, it was North of 200 bucks for months. Like it wasn't really that like, and no one was like, Oh my God, this is so exorbitantly high. Uh, yeah, no, one. but I mean, this is why, you know, this is why some people end up doing really well with investing and other people don't is like some people can identify uh, why I should buy Solana at 19 bucks. I should buy Solana at 21 bucks uh, versus buying it at 220. Clemente, you want to weigh in? 
I had a really quick question for Easy. Uh, it's a little bit off topic, but just about the the Bitcoin ETFs. How many delays can these guys pull off? These have basically just been like, can, can do they just have unlimited delays? It could literally or? be indefinite. Like that's the thing is like they don't have to set a date. Every time they set a date, they can push it again. The thing that's more interesting to me though is that you have Congress right now asking for a resolution on it, which is you don't get often. So they're straight demanding up just like, one. Yeah, demand they're demanding a return on it. Either say yes or no. The reason I like they're delaying it is because I think they also realize it's inevitable that they're going to say yes. But if they say yes, it sets some level of precedent as to what people need to do to apply for other additional assets for this, which is like the bigger thing. And now like you can obviously open up a ton of different options from the ETF side of things for Bitcoin, which opens up a plethora of opportunity when it comes to like cryptocurrency in general. So they they could literally delay this until 20, 2090 if they wanted to type thing. But the bet is that it's next year that it gets approved. Like right now, a lot of the statements are like... Early summer, it was it'll get approved in the fall, and now that we've seen three delays, those goalposts have been moved to 2024. I think it has over a 90% chance approval rate. In June, it had a 75% chance this fall, and I think their next time that they have to have comments on it, I believe, is in November. Is Congress pushing for this because they want to trade inside trade on this? They're already uh, insider it, trading on it. They've been accumulating Bitcoin and, and other crypto assets for months. Did you see the senator who just got arrested for insider trading? He was using an Xbox 360 chat room to send his trades to his friends. And this is on the back of another representative of Congress who was taking gold bars for uh, tips and for bribes, uh, for bribes. Yeah, for bribes to not go after Egypt for some interesting stuff. I was like, dude, what the hell? I was like, that is well, crazy. I don't know if you saw this as well. Diane Feinstein passed away and she's still the, uh, an acting Senator. Postmortem postmortem still uh, running the show. Impressive stuff. Uh, look today, we're going to discuss the blur farmer exodus, whether or not we are close to an NFT bottom and the Solana shitcoin season that is on the rise. So before we get into the weather report, I want to shout out yesterday's show partner restless. So they've already partnered with artists like Claire silver and Gremlin. You probably saw both those drops. If not, you saw definitely the Claire silver drop and they've, partnered with huge gaming companies like Ubisoft, Activision, Roblox, and more. The Mare Bears Public Mint, which is by Restless, is live. It's a collection of interoperable digital pets that will have swappable traits using the new ERC backpack standard, okay? And the traits will be powered by some exciting collaborations in the future. Their CEO, Charlie Cohen, has a history of being at the bleeding edge of technology innovation. She literally was talking about not being too early. And uh, when you kind of hear about her story, getting into augmented reality fashion NFTs in 2020, I mean, just so, so early to this stuff, a true bleeding edge technologist, really exciting stuff. So you can mint your Mare Bear egg at marebears.restless.xyz or you can use the link in the pinned tweet on the Twitter show or on the YouTube show. The link is at the bottom on the banner. Look, whether or not you're buying NFTs right now, you should definitely check out Restless just from a technological perspective because of how advanced and how ahead of the 
curve uh, from a technical perspective. Things are when they're run by Charlie. I, it was a real pleasure having her on the show yesterday. If you missed that, definitely uh, check it out and listen to her history getting into you know the fashion scene with augmented reality, the video game scene with these partnerships that go back to you know 2020, 2021. Really, really cool stuff. Uh, so shout out Restless. It was a pleasure partnering with them on the show. Uh, and the Mayor Bears are minting right now. Anyway, Signal, please take it away with the weather report. It's the last Friday weather report of the month before we hit October. Let's see what's going on. Market volume coming in at 7.6 million, blur at 3.9, open C at 2.3, seeing a bit of a Closing of the gap there. Frentech at 9 million. Onto the market leaders. Well, the mid caps are holding steady with no collection moving up or down more than 3%. Other movers include Beans, Clemente's favorite. That is up 8%. It's actually up 28% in the last week. Uh, Opepin hitting a 30 day low at 0.36. Fiwa World up 20% as the mint opens up to the public. And Beef Brothco is down 40%. Over the past 24 hours, well, we've just spoken about it, but Valkyrie has become the first to offer an Ethereum futures ETF after the SEC approved its application, and it will go live today. As a result, all of crypto is in the green, with Ethereum up around 5% in the mid-1600s. On to another big institution is PayPal. PayPal's Web3 adoption continues, this time applying for a patent for on- and off-chain trading on NFTs via a marketplace. In August, they became the first major U.S. company to launch its own U.S. dollar-backed stablecoin. Onto the business world, and if you know, a company that puts NFC chips in physical products announced a 16.8 million seed round led Damn. by A16Z, and they say their next step is to launch a platform that brings more creators to the digi-physical world. And lastly, the Great Blur Farmer Migration. Thanks, Clemente, for that. I love that. The Great Blur Farmer Migration uh, continued yesterday as Hanway, the number one season two Blur Farmer, joined Frentech to farm drop his to, to farm airdrop points he actually botted a hundred of his own keys and the price ran up to over three ETH and has made over 14 ETH in trading fees that is all for the weather report it is back to you folks in the studio man Frentech's funny man uh <laughs> thank you for the updates from the weather report signal fantastic weather report as usual some updates from the daily digest posted to x every morning it's pinned up top on the twitter show you can also subscribe at the nifty.com transient laps has partnered up with ack alpha centauri kid to release trace which is a chip that can be used to demonstrate provenance in physical and digital art by tracking its ownership, museum location, and more. The chip will debut with Alpha Centauri Kids' The Muse Sage Green piece auctioned at Christie's. VCon has announced that their 2024 conference will be held in Los Angeles from August 9th to August 11th. Pretty good place. Better than Indianapolis. Uh, over 2,700 Sugartown Auras staked in the first six hours. With staking bigger than just accruing energy, Auras are up slightly to a 0.22 ETH floor. Having trouble getting back up. The speculators said, we want the price to go up. We don't care about anything else. Merce uh, Mercedes-Benz sells less than 20% of their Era 1 NFTs in a Dutch auction that started at 1 ETH and ended at 0.1 ETH as a Another 
Web2 company falls short in their Web3 strategy. What was the Web3 strategy? Sell pictures for a lot of money. The, the uh, crazy thing is, Pio, on this one is like they have over like 15,000 more NFTs that they're trying to say, sell. It was it was wild when they were like, hey, we're going to sell another 3,000 of these. And by the way, we're starting at a one ETH Dutch auction. Uh, so pretty, pretty wild stuff there. Pretty, I mean, pretty normal. Who's who's advising this team? That's like, like, did they just go back to 2021 and they looked at it and they were like, uh, we're we're gonna call uh, what's the uh, Dgen party? We're gonna call our project Party Dgens, <laughs> and uh, and and started a one ETH Dutch auction, and you'll get to you know go to two DJ parties as a result of it. That's what they were uh, thinking they were gonna offer. Well, I think I think they were thinking about it the right way, buddy. Nick, do you want to read the rest of the Daily Digest stories in character? I feel thanks for sending it over here to me. Uh, the time Spurs part of a I think actually it probably doesn't make sense for the newsletter because it's hard to understand what you're saying. Sorry, you, didn't, you didn't understand that? Okay. The Tottenham Spurs have partnered with Sexius to issue a fan token that'll power their new loyalty rewards program. Grant, what? What are the Tottenham Spurs? It's a soccer team. Tottenham. Tottenham, for Christ's sake. Tottenham. It's Tottenham Spurs. Tottenham. Yeah, sorry. I, had, I had to correct Tottenham you Spurs. <laughs> there you go. The Tottenham Spurs have partnered with Socios to issue a fun token that will power the new loyalty rewards program. Program. Grant, uh, I don't know how you'd say I think program is uh, perfectly sufficient there, Pia. Uh, Grant Young's The Last Supper auction sold for $92,000 in a Sotheby's auction. I had no chance of uh, participating in that one. Out of my reach. Ex-NBA player Matthew... Della Vadova. Uh, Della Vadova. Uh, I was going to get that right. His joint swan Bitcoin as VP of business development. So hold on. So hold on. Get what? this. So Matthew Della Vadova, he was on... He was on the uh, the LeBron Cavs team that won the championship. He's an Aussie player uh, of Italian descent, uh, basketball guy. He actually had a few like bright spots in the NBA Lockdown for a few years. Lockdown defender. Lockdown defender. Yeah, he's like a typical Australian player. He's a pain in the ass, just like getting under your skin. Anyway, um, so he joined Swan Bitcoin. So if I, I used Swan Bitcoin for a long time. It used to actually be how I accumulated Bitcoin because they had this cool service where you could automatically have them buy the Bitcoin. They would take the Bitcoin out of your bank account. They'd automatically buy it. So you could dollar cost average. Then they'd automatically send it to your cold wallet. So you, it was like proper Bitcoin dollar cost averaging. It wasn't like custodial, right? Then what happened? A couple things. I found out that Swan Bitcoin is like the penultimate toxic Bitcoin maximalist organization. The guy, uh, Corey, I believe his name is the CEO of Swan Bitcoin. He's just going hard on Twitter 24-7. And I was like, okay, I don't know if it's like the best business to support. And then, oh, and it was also at really cheap fees, by the way. The fees were really cheap compared to other platforms. Then get this. The uh, the trust prime trust that was custodying the Bitcoin for the very brief period between where you buy it and when they send it to your hardware wallet went like bankrupt. And they I guess they had to they got acquired. They got acquired and Ripple was involved. So basically, Swan Bitcoin is now, I guess, dependent on Ripple, 
which if you know a, a toxic Bitcoin maximalist, that's that's bad, right? That's almost like that's like a racist person being uh, you know dependent on the race that they're racist against. You know what I mean? It's like really, really bad stuff. Um, like every racist is. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. It's real. It's really weird though. So so Matthew Delavadova is now trying to do biz dev in the crypto space. It's an interesting pivot. I guess he didn't make that much NBA money, or maybe he really loves Bitcoin. I don't know. Pio, the, the funny it, thing, it, or um, real quick, Nick, I was reading the comment to Pio, was, or uh, people were, <laughs> were commenting, yo, this is a bad look for Swan. Matthew Delavadova was such a dirty NBA player. Like, <laughs> I don't like this move at all. <laughs> what the hell? That is hilarious. Um, the, the, uh, okay. That that's hilarious. I still have one more story here. Pia. Keep going. What for in the recorded podcast with Brock Zuckerberg and Matt Rutt in the viral episode yesterday. Can we get it? Can we get it in Nick's voice and not the character's voice? Sorry. Lex Friedman recorded a podcast with Mark Zuckerberg. We already saw that. that is that the entire story there? Uh, Clemente, how about we discuss how it was visually crazy that it like recreated his the, like their entire body and face in in this world. I thought that was just kind of pretty bonkers. Um, isn't that my question though? Is wasn't this something that was demoed by Apple with their whole magic? Uh, yeah. What, ma- yeah. So it's it's basically them showing that they're not falling behind, right? Yeah, I think so. It's also the interesting thing. If you watch the podcast, the way that they start it is like they emphasize that they had to go through multiple full body scans to participate in this. Whereas the Apple one is, I believe, just face. It's like FaceTime driven, which is more similar to what they can gather just from the headset. This one, they had to go through a full body scan to get the uh, the closeness aspect of it. And Lex Friedman was having some fun in the start where he like gets really close to Zuckerberg and he's like, I'm sorry for invading your personal space. Ha 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 ha. And Mark responds with, yes, you are too close. Ha ha ha. And that's like basically the exact tonality that they had. Uh, it's, it's crazy the monotonous tone that each of these people have for a solid hour and a half. The entirety. They're like, I'm so excited to be participating in this. Ha 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 ha. And obviously, Zuck so, responds with, it's revolutionary. Ha 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 ha. Uh, well, you're doing a great impression. Uh, in terms of uh, the, the like recreating someone's body, uh, so can I just go scan someone more attractive than myself and then, uh, and then operate as them? I, I think that's what you should do. I also think it's funny that Lex Friedman is literally more weird and boring than Mark Zuckerberg. And I know he's got a pretty okay podcast, but I just sometimes can't do it where he's just like, this podcast will be uninterrupted for the sake of the conversation being able to be <laughs> experienced in its full capacity. And I'm just like, how do you have a podcast, dude? You got to thank Joe Rogan, bro. Like, cause that's what blew you up. But anyway, you know, in that thing too, though, you can talk about the fact that we're like, it does such a good job at recognizing emotion. You can see all of our emotion right now. It is just pouring through the screen and both of them are just straight faced. I'm like, yeah, this is really selling me on the emotional aspect of this. I'm bigger on well, Zuck. Nick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's it's funny. I saw another Zuckerberg was doing another interview. It like popped up on my YouTube, and he starts being uh, inter- interviewed, and it's just like, dude, you can't 
he's just perma awkward. I think it's really, I mean, he, he's just, uh, it's, it's further on the, the autism spectrum. So he's not as adept at like, uh, social cues. And so he's instead been trained on these things, but I think it's just like, he, he like, he really struggles, um, with the interview side of things. And he's not able, like, he's not able to make genuine facial expressions. Is, uh, <laughs> like, I don't know. It, it's quite interesting. And I think for, uh, in the case of Lex Friedman, it, I don't know that he's actually, uh, in the same way, like on the spectrum in terms of not capable of no way. Uh, it, but what's interesting is him behaving the way that he does with the voice that you were talking about, PO enables Mark Zuckerberg to kind of feel comfortable, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, so I'm sure the interview was pretty good. I didn't watch it. I did see that clip though. And, uh, I, I was like at a restaurant last night when it like, when I, when it popped up on my phone, I'm like, Oh, this is, this is pretty crazy. Like how, how, uh, uh like we're at a new level when it comes to, uh, being able to operate. And then the real question then is, who the hell is going to buy our NFTs for the metaverse? If, if I'm able to get a real body scan of myself, what, like what, what happened to, I feel like the NFT thing, people are going to, just going to be like, yeah. So about that, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Or, or someone will mint a version of their avatar, uh, of their body or face or whatever it is that you can then use. Um, I don't know, man, the, the, it's, it's, it's pretty cool nonetheless though. I, I I was impressed. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's obviously interesting. Uh and I do think Lex does have a uh, a good podcast. I'm I'm going a little bit hard on him. Although in one episode where he had like the best jujitsu guy ever, he spends fifteen minutes going like, Would you be able to kill a tiger if a tiger attacked you? And how would you do it? And I was like, what are we doing here? Like, talk to this guy for real. And then he, like, moved on to other animals. He's like, how about a bear? And the guy is like, the guy, like, kind of doesn't get it. He's just like, oh, I guess this is what, like, show business is like. Yeah, I have to answer ridiculous questions. You're supposed to have, like, a science-based podcast. What are you doing? Anyway, um, oh, Nick? He's like, now talk to me about a panda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can you get into? Would you? Could you steal bamboo from a panda and eat it? <laughs> Dude, he, he goes to alligators. He runs through multiple animals when he's literally got. Serious? I'm not kidding. While he's got like the best guy ever at something, I'm just like, can you talk to him about real stuff? Like it's it's like 12 minutes. It's ridiculous, man. We'll pull it up sometime. Anyway, look, we got the first story: the Great Blur Farming Exodus. In the last two months, the Blur bid pool has been pretty much down only over 50% down to be exact. In recent weeks, a large percentage of blur farmers have left to farm, what do you think? Friend tech points, ladies and gentlemen, with Hanway, the number one season two blur farmer, moving to friend tech yesterday. Is it now time to leave blur? Or, or wait, Clemente, you're asking if it's time to leave friend tech and go back to blur. It, it feels too friend tech heavy on the timeline where everyone's like literally it we're seeing exactly what happened with blur points farming what was it like 
four or five months ago happening on front tech, the strategies I'm seeing and like the an analysis and tools is wild on front tech right now. Meanwhile, I'm like, dude, I'm trying to buy NFTs either way right now. Like I want to pick up some elementals. I want to pick up some sugar town auras. I'm like, dude, I'm going to start stacking some points over the next few weeks. I don't know if I'm crazy for it, but I'm like, it feels You're a like whale, like dude. You're a blur whale. <laughs> Machi, watch out. I, <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to start. The, there's, sorry. You can go, Nick. Oh, go ahead. There's nothing more bearish for friend tech than the fact that people are farming the points. <laughs> they, that said, buying your own does not result in uh, the points. I thought that was the sort of finding from last week. Well, they just nerfed it. That, they just changed it. It did. And now the new method is still this 3-3 method, which is the prisoner's dilemma. We both cooperate because you can still get points for buying other people. So the whole cycle is like all the alpha right now on Frentech is look for people who ape their own keys. Watch where they change and cycle to buy a 3-3 key. So that way now you can tail it and make money on the trade and not have to 3-3. Or the benefit is they might 3-3 with you. So it's 3-3-3-3-3-3 nonstop. You know, I, I could not care any less. I'm up at to like 150 points. I don't even own my own key. Uh, I haven't logged in in probably four days. Uh, I'm extremely bullish, though. Extremely bullish. Ex extremely bullish. One, you're extremely bullish, but you don't even own your own key. Also, dude, you should be like, uh, like lynched on on the public square for the for the mm. behavior that you're participating here. Mm. Uh, like for like. The, where you don't own your own key, dude. Like that it lets me be unbiased. It lets you. Let's be unbiased. I have no bag bias. About? I have no bag bias in myself, so that way I can't <laughs> dump. I can't dump on my holders like many of these other participants who own a thousand of their own keys. Uh, there's no. There's no potential nefarious activity by not participating. You know, Nick. I'm just thinking smarter about it, not harder. I like it. I like Easy's approach. Um, Nick, if you had to really map, so like, look, what is your unfiltered perspective on Frentech? I know you don't like the farming, and I don't blame you for not liking it, but is there something to Frentech? Could Frentech be, like, in one year, could it be bigger than it is today and as relevant? Well, I don't care about the monetary side when I look at that. I, I do think that monetary incentives are interesting, but in most networks and most products, it doesn't result in the best outcome necessarily. Like it, unless the platform itself is the one generating the majority of the revenue. Now that's one bullish thing going on here for Frentech is they are making a lot of money here. So I do like that. The real question is, is, is this sort of product dynamic in which, uh, there's these group chats that I'm participating in, which to me feels very much like um, uh, Instagram broadcasts, which is what I don't know if you've like interacted with those much, but like I get notifications from Instagram from people that I'm following saying, Joe wants you to follow his broadcast channel on uh, Instagram, which is similar to something that already existed within Telegram, where you can basically create these broadcast only channels. And I, but this is a different form where it's broadcast only, but you can respond visible only to the creator. And my question is, is like, is that medium, like, is that format particularly interesting and unique 
in a way where it's able to create a better dynamic uh, for the content creators. And I don't know, I, th I think there is actually something there. That said, I can't like, I still can't post video to blur, which to me feels to like friend the tech? Sorry, sorry, to friend, what the hell am I talking about? To friend tech. Um, and that, that, that is the biggest opportunity with this. And the product just still kind of sucks. And so I, I like, I don't know. I, I hope they're able to build that, but I, I don't know that they've inherently built a better social product. And I don't see the average user suddenly going over to friend tech from yes. Twitter at the, at this moment in time. So, uh, yeah. So uh, I like the analysis. I also, I get, so what, one other thing, I just got to put this out there for the audience. A gentleman named Skid Row Crypto named Mike uh, tagged me and said, good on you for not having your own friend tech keys and therefore not dumping on your friends and followers. I am not f uh, four different people, ladies and gentlemen. We are just running four different people through my, t I know it's like impossible for people to grasp. I, I went back and forth with a guy where he was like, you said this. And I was like, so that was, it me i'm not a woman i'm not also a woman right it was not me that said that and uh and people need to understand we're running four people through my face on twitter okay so i'm not all four people Pio, dude i can't believe you said that so it Pio likes lying about this people and so i i just he he just does all these voices of individuals and he sold his own friend tech keys dude you're a traitor Okay. Well, anyway, Skid Row Crypto, I am not four different people. When you hear uh, four different people come out of my face, you need to be able to discern that it's not all just me. Uh, what I was going to say is I get really scared when all of a sudden this army of people is trying to make a negligible, what I'll describe as like a relatively negligible amount of money with a bunch of like strategies that, you know, you won't like need these strategies in a year. Like I just have like a rule of thumb. I'm like, Will I need this skill in one year? Like in like in any universe, could me learning all about this mean anything to me in a year? And if the answer is no, which in crypto, it almost always the answer is no. Like it's all like think about all those DeFi things where it was like, yeah, you got to buy the, the egg and then you, you go here and you stake the egg and then the egg yields the thing. And then you take the thing and you go and you put it back. All those things were Ponzi schemes that you just probably lost money on. But people acted like if you didn't know how to operate in those things, you were you were totally like missing out. I just don't want to participate in any of that because it actually just doesn't really matter at all. And it probably won't be anything in two years. I kind of disagree with Pio because, sorry. Go ahead, sorry, go ahead. Okay, cool. I know, um, yeah, Pio, so I kind of disagree with that because something will come out. It doesn't matter if it hit or it doesn't. There's a group of people who go and use that product or service, right? And then what happens is that maybe six months to 12 months later, another product comes out that does hit. And all those people who spent time learning that product uh, go into the next product and very quickly are able to understand it and take and, and essentially have first mover advantage. It's a little bit like when ordinals came out like earlier this year. If I had just come into the NFT space and tried to do ordinals, I'd be absolutely screwed. I would have no clue what to do because the learning curve would be way too steep. But because of like, the, you know, the experience you have of being in the space for two years, the connections that you built, 
the, uh, um, the, the network that you have in your friends, you can easily go into ordinals and just be like, okay, what wallet do I get? What do I need to do? And people are happy to answer your question. So I don't think it's like a zero sum game that the product is crap. There's a farming strategy. Don't bother. It's negligible money is the correct mindset because you don't know what's going to come out in the next 12 months. It's, it's as if you, it's as if saying, I'm only going to, um, I'm not going to bother doing Instagram. I'm, I'm just saying Instagram, you know, when it came out, I'm not going to bother doing an Instagram because I don't think anyone is going to put a picture up of their day. Who cares? And then all of a sudden TikTok comes out and it completely explodes and you can't figure out like what the hell is going on because you never use Instagram, but the people who did Instagram got TikTok instantly. And so I think it's not um, as like, as like zero waste of time and a zero skill because there's always something to learn along the way that another product or service will leverage in the future. I, I understand uh, real quick. I understand why you got to that. The difference is for TikTok, Instagram and like social media, there's there's actual substance there because people want to actually like build something. Whereas in crypto, you get these guys that are like, <laughs> I'm going to make 800 grand off this. And, that, and that's like the whole mission. And then they just rug pull you. So that's like the difference. The, the reality is like, I mean, I'm not even going to say because everyone's going to be like, oh, he's talking about Bitcoin again. I hate it when he talks about Bitcoin. It's so bad to talk about Bitcoin. The only thing that actually matters okay. in the entire space. <laughs> Go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. So uh, I don't even know how the hell Bitcoin factors into front tech. But, uh, I'm almost curious about that. But uh, the thing I was going to say for to, to your point, Pio, I agree. Uh, and that said, it is a Ponzi. That is the point of it. And I will say it is kind of an interesting Ponzi, like in terms of how it's like designed versus like DeFi. Uh, this is just an alternative thing where you can go and pump up, uh, pump up the coin value. And hopefully, hopefully you're first out the door. The, the argument here is that somehow that money ma uh, manifests through Frentech's token itself. And that's where I get sort of lost in a lot of these different things is what is the underlying value? Why is that token suddenly worth a bunch of money? And what's the thing that's going to sustain the price? And there is no logical argument inside of my mind that, uh, that there is for most of these tokens to have value. When you look at like uh, ApeCoin, for example, it has absolutely struggled to sustain any sort of value. And I think the biggest reason is they're not able to drive demand for buys on that. The, the reason that it's still worth what it is today, I would argue, is because it's a, a tangential way to make a bet on the NFT space without having to buy NFTs. And there's more liquidity associated with it where you can just dump those tokens instantly. And that, that's the, the value that having those tokens provides is quicker liquidity, theoretically. Uh, but I don't understand why, like the whole concept of farming tokens yeah. to me is, is like a fool's errand. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree with you. And to be clear, and I've said this since the very beginning, I don't, I'm not like against friend tech as a platform at all. In fact, I'm cheering it on heavily, really cheering it on to be successful because we need more real businesses, platforms, and builders in the crypto space. It's preposterous I even have to say that. 
It's ridiculous I even have to say that. But because of the nature of the technology and how easy it is to generate, you know, basically uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars, and then the temptation from, I'll just call them losers, to just be like, oh my God, $200,000, I'll never be able to make that again in my life. Let me rug pull that. It makes it so a lot of people don't end up building real stuff. But it seems like the friend tech guys probably want to build something real, I hope. I mean, they've made a whole bunch of money so far and it's not a rug pull. So it seems like they actually want to build it. That does not mean I'm going to buy somebody's friend tech shares. Like, come on now. It ain't going to happen, man. It just ain't going to happen. I don't need to make money on friend tech. That's not like what I need to spend time or focus my energy on. Um, so that's why it's funny when people are like, you're crazy, man. You're not getting in on friend tech. It's like, I don't need to make money on friend tech. Like, that's just not something I need to do. And the amount of risk with it is gnarly. And I'm not going to learn a new token farming strategy you're out to lunch if you think I'm going to spend one minute on that. It's just it's just not real. It's like the meme of the lady yelling that the things are not real. It's not real. It's just not real. But I hope that Friend Tech, uh, I hope Friend Tech in two years is like the biggest thing. And on CNBC, they're talking about Friend Tech every day. And I hope in four years, Friend Tech's IPOing. And they're like, yeah, biggest crypto company ever, Friend Tech, is IPOing. And The Rock is on Friend Tech and his, his Friend Tech token is 50. That's That's what I hope. Um, anyway, so quick hitter here, transition of topics. We're talking about tweets from Crypto Kaleo, friend of the show, suggesting we are close to an NFT bottom. I love this suggestion, and I think it's probably true. Kaleo tweeted, in my opinion, we're much closer to the bottom of the NFT market than a lot of people would like to believe. The way he sees it, 2021-2022 was just the test pump, similar to what 2017 was to altcoins during the ICO craze. 2018 to 2019, the number of people who believed we'd never see another altcoin season again was much higher than you might think. 2020 rolled around, and slowly but surely, we saw the greatest and longest-lasting alt season yet. 2024 to 2025, he believes that we're going to see something similar happen to NFTs. Currently, everyone thinks NFTs are dead and more people than not seem to believe that they're never coming back. I'm looking forward to the market once again, proving them wrong. I think it's very a very thoughtful tweet uh, discussion started by Crypto Kaleo. I also think that he's right. Does that mean that your random ass NFTs that you have in your MetaMask wallet right now are ever going to be worth anything again? No, absolutely not. But what it means is there will be liquidity in the NFT market again, and quality and non-quality projects will experience pumps. Again, it doesn't mean the random stuff that you overpaid for a year and a half ago is ever going to get back to the price that you paid for it again. But it is really interesting um, you know, to hear a veteran like Kaleo talk about it. Easy, you lived through that same experience that he did. What are your thoughts on that tweet thread? I thought it was pretty good, to be honest. And uh, shout out Kaleo, by the way. He's somehow getting all my notifications every time I go live. And he comments and says, I don't have your notifications on. Leave me alone. It's been like three days now. But uh, I, I thought the thread was really good. I thought there was a lot of good insight into it. And I, I agree, to be honest with him. I think we are much closer to a bottom than a top, obviously, in this case. But I also think that a lot of people right now have basically just started to write off NFTs entirely. And yet we're still seeing raises for NFT gaming, if you know app just raised 16 million, proof of play raised 33 million, uh, and we're still seeing interest in actual functionality. 
that's going into play for like real world use cases. I had posted a thread about this exact situation where we're seeing like Courtyard do something really cool with actual collectibles, which is a really easy way to translate what digital collectibles are. We just saw as well with that arcade XYZ start to give real liquidity on physical assets that are tokenized from Rolexes to a Supreme t-shirt collection. And things like that to me are where like, I think people are going to slowly continue this shift to understanding that NFTs are more than just a community-based play and that there is a lot of opportunity in this space. And when Kaleo said like the crypto NFT bottom, uh, I think some of it comes into play that's not the same projects, which is exactly what we saw in 17, 18, that entire cycle. A lot of the just constant let's push, let's ship stuff where people were like, what exactly is this? Why would I care about it? Comes into play where it's like, yeah, you probably shouldn't because next cycle will have winners, but the winners from the previous cycle will obviously outpace the new cycle, just based on purely the belief and experience from it, which I think you have a bunch of quality stuff that's already started to solidify itself as like a potential option going into that next cycle. So I I agree with him on his takes. I've started to get a little bit more exposure on some NFT assets that I'm excited about leaning heavy into the gaming side of things. Like I got a large exposure right now to Zynga and Sugartown because obviously their game's going live, but their own website started promoting Sugartown as one of their games right alongside some of the other major hitters that they have. And I'm like, that's something you can't really ignore because that audience is much larger. So as we see more reputable brands actually trying to ship stuff, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. Like I, I think there's a lot of really cool stuff that's being done, being worked on, and even raising capital that's going to open up a lot of opportunity next cycle. And I don't think there won't be a next cycle. Like I'm extremely bullish on the next cycle knowing that it's going to look different than the last one, much like the current crypto cycle we just went through was much different than the ETH DeFi summer that led into it, much different than the ICO craze of a million tokens launching every day and people just not even knowing what they were buying on like BNB chain, just hoping to hit a 10X, which we saw similar buying every picture you saw this most recent cycle because it could go 10X without any type of like information gathering. And I think it's really, really interesting to see the maturity that the NFT space is seeing. People aren't buying everything. They're waiting when they see something that seems to be quality. They're putting more belief, conviction, and patience into waiting to see where it goes. Yeah, and I mean, look, in the YouTube comments, you're seeing people wear wear the scars of the previous cycle. Just you can tell how much money that they lost right there. Uh, and and it, a lot of times people will leave because of that, and then they won't be able to catch up when um, you know the next cycle begins. You know, speaking of cool stuff, you're talking about cool stuff being built easy. I just want to give a shout out to the partner for today and yesterday's shows, and that's Restless. Restless has already partnered with artists like Claire Silver and. Gremlin and huge gaming companies companies like Ubisoft, Activision, Roblox, and more. We had Charlie Cohen, the CEO of Restless, on yesterday, talking about uh, you know her background with bleeding edge technology in crypto, you know, and outside of it for that matter. The uh, drop is Mare Bears, and the public mint is now live. It's a collection of interoperable digital pets that will have swappable traits using the ERC backpack standard. The traits will be powered by exciting collabs in the future. We already talked about some of the huge collabs that are already locked in. There's going to be more in the future. And uh, as I pointed out, the CEO, Charlie Cohen, has a history of just being bleeding edge. She almost needs to not be too early, right? Because she's she's insanely early on everything, which was incredibly impressive to learn about. You can mint a Mare Bear egg 
hashtag at marebears.restless.xyz, or you can use the tweet that is pinned at the top on the Twitter Spaces stage, also available, or excuse me, also uh, being showcased on the YouTube stream right now. Um, look, last last uh, story, shitcoin season in Solana. Easy, what's happening here? If, if I know anything is that I know crypto people, they love a good shitcoin. They love to hear about a nice shitcoin. They're like, hey, I, hey, go buy this thing. And then 15 minutes later- one. Oh, you got one, Nick. Yeah, just showed up on my timeline. This one, P.O., is called Gangsta Cock Inu. <laughs> is it, are you making that up? I no, he's no, I swear to just, God. So that was actually a uh, a thing done this morning, early on. I believe it was a 6 a.m. space where they promoted it for about 24 hours to draw hype and then never actually launched it. Just to show people that, like, in these cycles, you shouldn't just believe baseless hype and actually do some of your own research. I thought it was a pretty good rollout by them on Gangster Cock Inu. Uh, shout out Jared. Dude, soul who I did tried that. searching it up and it did, <laughs> you don't want to. Oh, it, oh, it, oh, but that was a great search there, uh, Clemente. Uh, I'm sure that you be, got some. The, the Twitter account is GCINU underscore. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't search that. I wouldn't. Bunny, you wouldn't. buying that one? Bunny. I just, I just started charting it. Hold on. <laughs> you charting it? Yeah, I'm drawing some squigglies. Very nice. Oh, here it is. There, we got there it. There's a token, though, that went crazy last night called Only Possible on Solana. It mm. launched at 70 cents, immediately had 3 million in liquidity put into the TVL, and went from 70 cents to a little over $6. So I did trade it. Uh, we talked about it on Solana. Watch your mouth. All right, you cranky old man. You were very angry it's this morning. Close, dude. I was not. Yeah. I was in a great mood. Oh, all right, whatever. The uh, the thing with this, though, is some of the botters hit it pretty early because they saw the TVL. So they own like 3% of the token. There's only a million tokens, but a lot of people made a ton flipping this thing. I got in at like $1.40, sold it a little over four. So we take those. We take those nice clean 3Xs. Uh, and I actually, if you look at my first tweet, I bought the literal Pico top of the initial drop, like action. I was like, great, just bought the Pico top. And then I bought the dip right after it and it worked out beautifully. Worked out absolutely electric, and uh, I did comment that I sold right when I posted that screenshot on the very next one. Just that transparency. Got to let people know I was out of it. It then ran another $2.50, though, so left some cash on the table. I mean, that's a wag me boy move there, Easy. We got some YouTube commenters weighing in saying these are some wag me boy takes. Uh, love to see it. Nick, What, what do you? are, are you going to be participating in any uh, shitcoin season behavior? Uh, no, P.O. Thanks for asking. <laughs> We're getting requests for, for the character that is not named yet in South Carolina. What about that person? Where, where are you getting a request? Is the request solely from you? No. No, it's, it's actually not. The <laughs> YouTube commenters really want it. Well, down here in uh, South Carolina, Charleston, there's a lot of shitcoin trading, Sam. <laughs> But people are really excited about this non-fungible token technology. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the insight. Um, we, we appreciate that, sir. We're looking forward to being introduced to you and actually learning your name. Got Bounce. Got Bounce said that he genuinely hates it. And he said, uh, dear God, please stop requesting this character. So very, very interesting stuff. Um, um, God, honestly, you know, this is just my natural uh, voice. So I really appreciate what you would actually ask. My favorite that. comment from uh, earlier was Nick sounds like Mitch McConnell. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> oh, man. 
kind of it's does. not a it's not as uh, Southern, though, because Mitch McConnell, you got him after he like literally uh, had a stroke in front of a microphone. And then the next time you see I, him, he's like, I'm fine. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Nick, go ahead. So when I got uh, to the hotel, you know, how like sometimes the uh, TV is on when you come in the room and there's like a welcome message. Well, they have the mayor with this like Southern accent. Uh like talking on on the TV, and for a moment I wanted to do I wanted to do a video uh, welcoming people to South Carolina's mayor, the home of non fungible token technology. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I had some ideas there, but I, I think there's an opportunity and a character on that front as well. Yeah, we got someone saying that you found quaaludes in Charleston, and that is the source of this character. I don't um, I don't doubt it. I really don't doubt it. Um, but look, uh, oh, Clemente, go, please. Yeah, real quick, Nick. I just have a quick um, report for you. After we posted, I, I memed your video yesterday. I received about three comments in a DM on the portal account saying that you have the same haircut as Beeple and you got this haircut because of the Beeple event this weekend. You wanted to look like him in preparation of, of uh, meeting up with him. Any comments on that? Do I? Kind of. Uh, yes, you do. I have no idea. I, I literally have not paid attention to Beeple's haircut. How do I like go and view it? Like, do I just go to his account? Maybe he has some selfies. Fire away. Yeah. You're going to meet him. We'll see if he, uh, if he, if he like ends up being aware of our existence after multiple years of doing the show. I'm not, yeah, I'm, last time, last time he was pretty drunk and, uh, D- did not have any interest. Um, well, he took a photo with me, but uh, I, I, he doesn't remember that at all. Um, and he, he was three sheets to the wind or what, how, whatever the saying is. Um, yeah, so I have no idea. I need to take a look. Um, oh, I see. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have the same haircut. I'm going to have to look into it. You'll have to look into it, Nick. Uh, <laughs> we got a little people thing right there. Anyways, um, look, that's that's the show, ladies and gentlemen. If it's your first time listening, we do the show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. Eastern time on Twitter Spaces. Also available on Apple and Spotify podcasts if you prefer to listen to the audio podcast version. Also available on YouTube if you, if you want to actually watch the video stream. We're streaming the video to X, to Twitter also, because that is apparently the thing that you do now. We're seeing a lot of traction there. Elon Musk building out X, the everything app. We're here for it. We are ready uh, to continue rocking and rolling. We'll be back on Monday, ladies and gentlemen, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Thank you for listening.